The Leader Purdueer Show, Episode 2, Don't Be Reckless and Behind the Scenes. Let's go. Welcome back to the second episode of the Leaderpreneur Show. I'm with my good and great friend, Michael Tanner in Atlanta, Georgia. And Mike, how are you today? I'm good. Good evening to you there, Stephen. Uh, excited for episode number two here. Man. Oh, likewise, likewise. It's uh, It's been a bit of a journey the last week as we've it has. We worked to figure some of this stuff out. And I'm excited to maybe pull back the curtain here a little bit later and talk about some of the things we've been working on, but, um, just, just finding our feet and our focus for this, for this podcast series. Uh, one of the things that, uh, let our audience know, and, and we've talked about is we do now have a custom domain that, um, you can all navigate to and get direct access to the podcast and subscribe and uh, provide feedback. It is leaderpreneurshow.com. Once again, leaderpreneurshow.com. Just like entrepreneur and the spelling, but leaderpreneurshow.com. And we would love for you to check us out and uh, leave us a rating. Tell us what you think and we will uh, make adjustments for sure, because uh, we're doing this for you and for no other reason, but to share our journey and some of our insights. So Michael, what do you think? We'll um, uh, get into a couple things today and, and maybe we'll hit the first one as we talked about a little bit ago of our leadership topic this week. What, do you, what are you thinking about? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, thanks, Stephen. And, and uh, leaderpreneurshow.com. Yeah, love love the title. Um, and uh, it uh, really describes the two aspects of topics that we talk about on the podcast. We're going to talk about leadership first, and then we're going to talk about some of the entrepreneurial activities that you and I are facing uh, real time in the businesses that we're building. And so um, as we jump into leadership this week, a uh, leadership topic this week that I thought I would, we would talk about, you and I would discuss is how to avoid being a reckless leader, okay? Um, and obviously, if I'm going to ask that question to you and you and I are going to discuss it, I probably first need to describe for you, well, what is a reckless leader? What does that even mean? Yeah, it sounds um, kind of scary when I hear yeah, it, right? yeah. yeah. So what I re when I refer to a reckless leader and, and how to avoid being a reckless leader, I'm primarily talking about one of those leaders that, uh, and I think we've probably all experienced it before, probably carried the title of supervisor or manager or something like that. But one of those reckless leaders that really destroys uh, teamwork and destroys positive culture within their group from, from a number, number of different angles. One, it may just be, really, really bad decisions. Uh, two, it may be, uh, you know, just kind of, maybe I want to call it emotionally unstable, right? They're just kind of all over the map emotionally. One time they're just happy-go-lucky and you can't seem to rattle them. The next day they're just, you know, they're just yelling at people or something, right? So isn't that uh, like the worst kind of leader? People are just oh, like, the worst. You, it, it, you never know what you're going to get. At least if yeah. you had one that screamed at you all the time or was just like passive all the time, at least you would know. But, but those unpredictable leaders, I tell you, they're, they're difficult. Uh, they're all yeah. over the place. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and, and you can have, you know, third, I mean, you can just be, uh, if you will, 
just completely absent, right? You're, you're not a leader at all. And, and, and a lot of folks, when, when I talk about being a reckless leader, they don't recognize or, or connect the dots there. But yeah, when you're just totally absent, there is no leader, right? And so, um, you, you know, it's like if you were on a passenger bus, but there is no driver there, I think you'd consider that to be pretty reckless, right? So completely absent. Or, or very entertaining. I'm not sure which, but it, it would be, <laughs> yeah, uh, it'd yeah. be an interesting bus ride. It, it could be, it could be, uh, it, it, you know, all kind of, uh, movies come to mind when I think about that, that scene. Um, but tell me what, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, all right. So maybe if you want to pick one of those three or, or just talk about being a reckless leader in general, uh, how do you avoid being that reckless leader? Well, that's that's a good question. And I think when I think about reckless leaders, I know I watched a video you put out on YouTube recently, which I thought was awesome. So uh, if you haven't checked out Michael's channel on YouTube, Credible Leaders, you, you got to go check that out. And there's some quick hitting videos there. Absolutely free, of course. Um, but when I listened to the video, you know, I, I heard words, trigger words like arrogance uh, leads to recklessness. And to me, it, it's the experience of experiences I've had with, with different leaders. Not too long ago, I came off an experience working for a gentleman um, uh, at a company, I'd say in the last you know, 18 months or so, that I would, I would categorize as not only reckless, but arrogance. I've obviously not mentioned any names here, but um, what that, it, it was very interesting because I had never worked for someone like this. And... It was it was a level of arrogance that this person knew more than everybody else and was not embarrassed or ashamed to to let you know that. And it was this person's uh, decision making that was detached from some of the realities in our business. When you added those things together, what it created was an organization in an organization on fire in an organization that was just paralyzed by this type of behavior. And, and for me, it it just really made me question, uh, obviously working for a person like this was, was very difficult. and And I eventually moved on to another, another opportunity, but it, it really made me feel so ineffective as a leader because I was not able to navigate that relationship well. And that to me is the epitome, the epitome of what a reckless leader could be because it yeah. not only creates drama and, and paralyzes the organization, it really makes you question your own leadership capability and effectiveness. Yeah. So uh, that's something that comes to mind when you just talk about recklessness and arrogance and, and how it could impact and how it, it does and, and, and not only impacts the organization, but can impact you and your effectiveness. Yeah, no, you know, your example, I mean, it, it's, it's a perfect example of the, the cliche that we hear all the time that um, people don't leave companies or people don't leave teams. They leave bosses or managers. That's, or that's leaders, right. right. I believe that they, they leave their leadership. Um, and your example of that is a perfect example, right? That, yeah, you, you, you have that. I, I even, I wrote down the word here, narcissistic, right? So arrogant, mm-hmm. you have that 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 narcissistic person that is so arrogant they they typically don't listen to feedback from team members and just different things like that you know what was funny about it though mike is is this this person it was almost like they were i don't know if bipolar is the right word but uh but Mm -hmm. but outside of work they were just a wonderful 
person to hang out with. Right. It was, it was like oh, these, wow. it was, it was a, a set of behaviors that when you're interacting with a person in a social situation, they were kind of the life of the party. They, they were, you know, buddy, buddy, everything was good. And then they step into the office and, and this kind of new set of pressure came over them and caused them to just act out in different ways. And it was very difficult to predict and understand. And, and so many people don't recognize the importance of that in leadership, that aspect of being one person in one setting, but a different person in a different setting. When your people that you're leading, when they see that, it's so confusing. They don't know which one they're getting, right? Is that guy that, that I was just joking with last night over dinner, is he going to wander into the office tomorrow or not? Or is it going to be, you know, the different, the, the other guy? Um, and so, yeah, no matter what the situation or the setting or the, you got to be you, you got to be that one person that your team can depend on. You're the same all the time kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, that's so important. That, so what do you, what do you think we can do about it though? I mean, if we're going to help people out and, and give them some, ideas or examples of actions that they can take because we learned last week that yep. you have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. not going to be able to, I can't force Michael Tanner to be accountable. Only Michael Tanner can do that. And, yeah. and, but when we have situations where this arrogance and recklessness is in the organization, what, what can we do from, from your perspective to, yeah, improve uh, other than just walk out of the organization because that's not usually an option for right, most people right. and it doesn't solve the problem. So what, what can we do? What are the one, two, three things we can go do differently? Yeah. You know, what I do here is uh, well, first thing I, I focus on what I can control and that's me, right? So let me make sure that I'm behaving um, uh, in a way that's not reckless. Right. And, and I, I my experience tells me this, yeah, you have some folks that are just that narcissistic, arrogant, you know, egotistical type nature, right? Um, and and they're probably going to behave that way in a in a leadership role if that's kind of if they're that's their character, that's their core character. But I think that's the really small percentage of people that that that's the case. The larger percentage of people, it's it's that they have their own internal questions or their own internal fears or something like that. Now they may put on a mask. They may put on a front that seems really arrogant and confident and all that. But underneath that, they've got some fears. They've got some questions. And, 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 and most of the time what happens is they don't face those fears or they don't face those questions. And they certainly don't do it, if you will, in front of or with the team that they're trying to lead. But what I would say to you to, to ensure you're not being a reckless leader is it's okay to, to have a question. It's okay as a leader to not know all the answers. And it's even okay to express to your team, look, I don't know all the answers. I need you guys to help me get the right answer here. You know, I mentioned making bad decisions. That's an example of, of a reckless leader. As a leader, you're not trying to make the decisions all by yourself. You're including your team in making those decisions, especially when you have those big questions or those big fears in those questions, right? Um, or, or, you know, the, the emotional side of things sometimes, if you're all a roller coaster all over the map, well, you got to learn to calm that down. And sometimes it's okay to recognize and say to your team, 
look, right now, I just can't have this meeting with you right now. I, you know, I got to take some time for to, to settle down. I got to take some time to to collect my thoughts and, and then we'll come back together and we'll discuss this, right? That's okay to show that in front of your team and be wise about your emotions and get them calmed down and so forth. Yeah. And then the absentee guy, right? A lot of times he's absent because he has those fears or be ha- he has those questions that he don't want to, you know, present that lack of, uh, of answer in front of his team. And so he just becomes the absentee guy. Yeah. Um, and, and exactly what, you know, what face that fear. Uh, you know? Absolutely. And, and what you said that I, that I absolutely love is the fear, right? It's, it's, I don't love fear, but I recognize that that is an underlying, um, uh, behavior or a sense that people have that makes them reckless, that makes them because, right. because they want to be known. Reckless leaders want to be known as, as the one that has all the answers typically, right? Yeah. They're very, yes. Yes. Uh, in many cases, they're very authoritarian. They, mm-hmm. they, uh, leverage role power versus, you know, really developing and building relationships and, who knows all the reasons in their life and career that that's caused, but that may be the way they are. And you know, what's worked for me and, and it's different for everyone. But, uh, first of all, I never want to be known as an, a reckless leader. I, I, that's one thing I would hope no one would ever say about me because I, I work hard to be the opposite of that. But when I run into a reckless leader, uh, someone who would fit that definition, um, I try to I try to approach them and engage them head on. Whereas I think a natural tendency is to avoid that conflict is to Agreed. is to walk the other direction when they see that person coming. But what I found that works for me is I go up to them and um, uh, either in a meeting or a one on one or a, uh, any r- setting that makes sense and and I offer help. I say. Right. Uh, hey, what can I do to help? I mean, it, it, is there something I can do to, to relieve something off your plate, to, to make your life a little bit easier? To, and, and what that does is it, it, and most times they always say no. Well, no, there's nothing you can do. No, I don't need you yeah. to do any of my work. No, but what it does is it creates a beginning of a conversation that mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're feeling stress or feeling pressure or they lash out because they can't, can't take the pressure and have an outlet for it properly. It creates a conversation where um, maybe you can help simmer down some of those fears in an appropriate way, given your relationship with them. Right. So something I think about that um, it's worth a try because you'd be amazed how much a proactive conversation can lead to a different outcome, but you have to be willing to make that first step. You're, you're totally right, Stephen. And, and I know it's scary, especially, you know, when you're talking to your own leader uh, in that way. Um, I know how scary that is. But I, I take this uh, very similar approach where, uh, well, first of all, I, I try to build my own credibility as a leader in front of that person. Right. So my actions and so forth and, and build my own credibility. But then when there's a situation, I, I do everything that I can to quickly not don't let a week pass or whatever, but Soon afterwards, I try to make a comment much like what you just said. So I may go to my my boss and say, hey, I, I see that, that that delay in that project really stressed you out. That was clear in the meeting uh, earlier today. Is there something I can do? Is there some way that I can help resolve this? Or what? Right. So so I, I don't let a week go by. It's right away. 
but I'll just make some mention, just like you say, I, it, it, clearly you were stressed by that. So I, I'm basically saying, hey, dude, you, you know, you overheated there, if you will. Uh, and then to your point, how can I help that? Right. So I'm making yeah. the point, hey, emotionally here, you kind of got out of line. Uh, how can I help you with that kind of thing? So yeah. offering help helps a lot. No, I think those I think those are some good points that can offer yep. folks. You know, it, it's not the end of the world. And um, if if you're if if you're old enough and have been through enough cycles and roles, you've run into these leaders. This is this is they are not um, the uh, unicorn out there. They they are out uh, there probably a lot more than we would like. And it it's not that. Um, they're out there. It's how do you respond to leaders like this and how can you continue to find ways to be effective in environments that continue to have those leaders that maybe the organization um, views the value that they bring out in other ways greater than the detriment of them being a reckless leader. They just don't view it maybe that way. So you have to know how to exist in those environments. So some of the things that Michael mentioned and that we've talked through certainly can ease some of the tension around um, those leaders. So any, any final thoughts on, on the reckless leader uh, topic this week? Man, I would just say, you know, your comment about the reckless leader is not a unicorn is so true. Um, I, I'd love to say that I've never been a reckless leader, but unfortunately I've been all three types that we talked yeah. about today. I, so I'm with yes, you. it's not the end of the world. You can recover from it and you can still be a good and effective leader. Yeah. And that's part of growing. I mean, yeah, no one's perfect. We all go through these cycles and we learn and we and we get better and expand our knowledge. And, um, and we're not unusual. We are typical. We have made all the mistakes like everyone else. So now, we, we do nothing but encourage you to know that there are solutions out there that you can um, look at and at least make a bad situation tolerable until you can find the best situation for you. So no, thank you, uh, Michael, for doing that. Let's, let's go ahead and transition over to, uh, our next segment, which yeah, is, uh, I don't know what we're going to call this segment, but um, episode two here, where it's either going to be behind the scenes or, um, I don't know, our, our side hustle journey or uh, basically pulling the curtain back. So Mike, Michael and I are, are on this journey and uh, parallel to our corporate careers, as we talked briefly about last week, to, to find... Um, other things in, in life that um, really get us going and that we're excited about, which is the online business, online business, coaching, creating online courses, serving uh, others in the areas of leadership development and careers. And part of that journey is a lot of trial and error. And Michael and I have been meeting in a mastermind group, um, which, as I mentioned last week, is really maxed out with all two of us. Both so, of us. yeah, both of us. So it's something we're looking to maybe change here as we go forward. But uh, behind the scenes and things that we're doing to try to take the next steps in our journey to uh, entrepreneurship um, uh, in our evening and weekend hours. So what's on your mind there, Michael? What can we uh, begin to share and uh, kind of um, discuss here? Yeah, so I thought I'd share with the listeners kind of the low for my week, if you will, and and, and especially how you and I talked through it uh, as it related to our mastermind group. Um, I have a um, I have an online leadership development course that I'm launching publicly for the very first time. I have uh, I've given this leadership course a number of times in, in a private setting and in, in a face to face setting, 
But for the first time, I'm going to be doing it via webinar uh, and, and publishing that publicly online. And so I've put together, if you will, this uh, introductory uh, series of videos to introduce uh, my listeners and my audience to uh, the coming course. Uh, and so I launched that this past week. I sent out the, the email with the very first video to that. Um, and listen, listen to the response I got back for just a few seconds here, Stephen. Listen to this response. Okay, lay it on me. I'm ready. All right. I don't hear anything, hear Michael. What's going on? It sounds like Did crickets. Did you hear that? That's what, that's the response <laughs> I got. So that was the low for my week. You know, I sent that out and and got some decent open rates on my emails. Uh, but uh, no one ro- watching the video just said, well, I shouldn't say no one. Uh, as of our mastermind group uh, this evening, three people have watched the video. Uh, one being me. One being you and someone else uh, that I don't know. Just, just, uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I shared that with you. And you, you had some incredible insight. I've got incredible notes here on things I'm going to go change. But here's one of the things, interesting things that, that you asked me that I think you should talk through with our listeners. All right. You were looking at the email that I'd sent out. You were looking at the page with the first video on there. And you asked me the question, well, how do I get to video number two and video number three? And when you said that, the light bulb went off for me that, oh, wow, the customer experience here is not simple. It's not easy. So describe it a little bit for our listeners. So the first thing I'll say is is kudos to you, man, for taking a step. And that's something I I struggle with is taking those first steps into trying something. And and, um, if, if everything worked perfectly the first time, man, we, we wouldn't be able to get anything done because the market would be saturated. So sure. uh, I tell you, so looking at the email, for, first thing that, that happened, and I'll back up just a bit here, is the email went to spam. Yeah. So uh, when we're looking at your click-through rates and we're looking at, um, you know, how do you get this message in front of people? Uh, I, I, I was, we were talking about it. I'm like, well, I don't, as you said, you sent it out a few days ago. I don't, I don't see it, man. And so I'm looking, I'm hunting, I'm looking, I, oh, I found it. It's in spam. Well, I, I'm like most, I probably look at my spam when I get tired of seeing the uh, count number get so high, it irritates me. And I go in and I clear it out. And um, I would have never noticed it had we not spoken. So click through rates and engagement, you know, obviously we need to look at that and figure out what we can do differently. And we've talked about that. But then when I click through, on the email and I get to the page, a page is clean. It's slick. I like it. It has the video right there on the, on the, um, on the front page. And to your point is uh, that we talked about is I know I should watch this video. And I know from talking with you and reading the email that it's a three-part series. But when I look at this, it's not, it doesn't, stick out to me. And we live in a, at least I do. And I know I'm not alone in the world. I live in a squirrel world, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm shiny object. Uh, I, I'm uh, overdosed on shiny objects. And I, and I spend like most a few seconds looking at an email and I looked at your email. I'm just clicking the link, man. I'm like, I just need to click this link. It's something I'm interested in. I get to the page. I know it's three, a series of three, but it's not clear to me by the email, because I didn't read it thoroughly, I just started clicking the link, I get to the page and the page doesn't 
navigate me or tell me or give me any insight as to there's more than just this video. So that's one of the things right. that stuck out. And, and uh, I'm, I'm on the consumer end of this and you are on the creator end of this. So I, I have a different perspective and, and I do the same thing. We sit in a room and we do what we think is going to be what people want to see. And we do it in our own heads. But until we get that in front of people that are going to interact and consume this content, it's hard to know how it's going to be received. Right. Yeah. And I think that's key. Yeah, no, that is critical. I mean, it, it, you know, now that that you've given me that feedback, I know exactly what I was doing and specifically what I was doing wrong um, in that whole sequence of email. And then over to the page where the video of the first, uh, you know, the first course and all that is I know what I was doing wrong. I was depending too much on people reading every single word of the email. Well, first of all, they get the email in their inbox and not their, their spam. But then they open the email and they read every single word, right? Whereas, as you say, they, they read far enough down, they get to the link, they click the link, now they're over to the page, and now they're, they're wondering, well, how do I get to number two and number three? And if they don't go back to the email, they'll never know, right? But I'm, as you say, I'm in, I'm in creator mode and I'm right. creating this workflow. And it wasn't until you asked me that question that I realized, oh, wow, you know, I'm, I, this is not easy. It's not intuitive for the, for my customer that, that's going through this. And, and let me just say this to pitch the mastermind group. If we had not been in that mastermind call earlier today, and you had not asked me that question, I don't believe I ever would have caught that issue. Yeah. And then that, Again, because I'm in that creator mode. And that's you know? so key. You're, you're so right there. And, and it's this, it's this community that we've created with the two of us that if you're, if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to do things in a vacuum uh, and I, and I've done that many times uh, in my life and no wonder I haven't made the traction that I want to make. And, and until you get a, a, a conversation going with a like-minded person who can give you direct uh, and honest feedback that isn't, isn't taken out of context and you have a strong enough relationship to endure that, what a difference that can make in getting your business uh, just accelerated down a path of um, uh, where you want it to be. So I, I yep. think it's great. And, and sometimes, you know, I don't like to hear certain things. I and mean, we're human beings. We're emotional creatures, right? And, and sometimes, you know, things can hurt a little bit because, you know, you spend all these hours and effort. But, but when you're in this mastermind, you have this depth of relationship that can withstand that because we both just want what's better for both of us and to get us along this journey quicker. That is so important, Stephen. I mean, I mean, you're exactly right. And it, it is, I, I don't even consider what you're giving me as criticism. I consider right. what you're giving me as feedback, right? That will, that will help me. And again, it's just because I know the pure motives behind Correct. That, th those statements that you're giving it's me. It's to I serve. That because we're, we're, we're here right. to serve we're each other. You're spending a bunch of time together, right? And, and serving one another. So, uh, if you're not a part of a mastermind group and, and, and you have a big goal in life to accomplish, whether it's a side gig like Stephen and I or not, you got to get a part, be a part of a, a mastermind in order to accelerate that growth. Because as I said, I would have gone through the next two videos and probably made the exact same mistake again 
I would have finished out this launch and I would look back on it and thought, well, I wonder what I did wrong. But here real time in the middle of this launch, Stephen's able to give me feedback that pinpoints a huge hole in my strategy. And as I release later this week, as I release video number two and number three, you can bet I'm not going to re repeat that same mistake. Yeah. And, and, it, and that's, that's so right. And if, and, and if you're not in a mastermind group, that's okay. You can have those relationships, but if you, if Michael was to just call up a friend that he knows socially, and I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just, uh, going to make these assumptions. If you were to call up a guy you, you, you know, that lives down the street, a neighbor and you know him and you see him outside or whatever. And you say, Hey, you know, I'm doing this. Give me your feedback. A, there's not that relationship from a like-minded person who understands the space that you're in and the goals right. that you have. So right. any feedback they give you is going to likely be felt differently. And, and if you don't like the feedback, it could be, well, you don't know what I'm doing. You know, right. you don't even know yep. what I'm doing. So I don't like your feedback. So I, I think that goes back to the, to the human emotion side of it. But when you're in this fellowship with someone who is walking with you and along this journey together to get to a similar place, it resonates so differently. And that's what makes a group, call it a mastermind, call it whatever, but, but uh, that like-mindedness causes the feedback to be so much more meaningful, in my opinion. To totally agree. Totally agree. And, and, and your neighbor, you're going to get some platitudes in terms yeah. of feedback from, Oh yeah, this looks really good to me. Yeah, yeah that's great. This yeah. is cool. Maybe you could change the color of this or change the color of that, but, but yeah, are they really going to pinpoint and poke at, Oh, you that's could right. definitely do this better or that better or something like that. You know, you're just not going to get that kind of feedback to somebody yeah. not uh, equally committed to your success as you are theirs. Yeah. And, you know, and, and thinking about what you're doing and something that I'm struggling with is, is e e my email list. Right. And we were talking about that earlier and, and, and I'm very transparent. This is, I'm here to, to share my experience. I have 15, like that's not 1500. That's one five full stop. 15 people, Five. you know, and I think, let me see, it's me, my wife, my dog, my kids, my, yeah, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta net those out, but, um, am, am I, am I disappointed? Yeah, sure I am, but I'm not discouraged by it because what it does is, is, is cause me to refocus my efforts on what I'm doing from a lead generation and from getting people on my email list. I view, uh, like many an email list to be those, that one asset that you truly own. And yeah. You know, when you're on Facebook and LinkedIn and they can decide to change the rules and not make any of that available to you and uh, you don't own it. But so you own your email list, you own your audience and, and um, they are yours to cultivate and share and serve. And um, no one can take that away from you. The, only the individual can choose to not be a part of that community, which puts it, the power back in their hands. So I need to grow my email list. I need to be much more intentional about how I get to, I want to share that on this journey. So I'm here to state on October 13th of 2019, whenever you're listening to this episode, that's the date we recorded this. And I have 15 people on my email list and I am dedicated to growing that. And I will keep you updated as to that's, that's my accountability, right? I'm going to keep you updated on what you go. I'm growing to. Is it 20? Is it 50? Is it a hundred? My goal is to have 500 
um, by certain time frames, a thousand. I don't know what those are. I got to figure that out, but um, that's my goal. And to be able to, to have an email list and a community that I can serve and, and um, you know, share things with. So how do you feel about email lists in general, Michael? Uh, well, first of all, I, I love you sharing that, Stephen. And, and you know, I, I love a good challenge. I love yeah. a good goal. Um, and because of our mastermind relationship, with, I, I'm here in that with you. So we're going to go from 15 to something, some much bigger number. I'm coming after you, partner. Okay. I'm going to go going after you. You have oh. multiples compared to what I have. Oh, now listen, uh, 67 is not that much bigger no. than 15. Come it's on. way but, bigger, man, but I, I'm well, going to catch you. But I know you've heard this before, but I'm going to say it out loud here in front of all of our, our yeah. podcast audience. Think about if those 15 people were gathered in your living room That's to amazing. hear your message. How impactful would that be on you? It's huge. Those 15 people sitting around in your living room listening to your message, that would be huge for you. And right? I think people lose sight of that. I agree. I totally you know? agree. Totally agree. It's, it's so, 15. It's Well, it's only 15. No, it's right. 15 individuals that I have an opportunity to serve with a message that they resonate with. Right. And you've influenced, go back to my definition of leadership, influencing other towards a shared goal. You've influenced them in a willing way. They have signed up for your email. So it's as if, yeah, they're, they've driven across town to sit in your living room to hear your message. I need to get more chairs. That's an, I need to get more chairs. That's impactful. So, Uh, I I think that might be a great place to end this episode. Uh, Really, really cool insight. Before we go, and I didn't do this last week, but I'll do it now. What are some of the ways that our audience and community can connect with you? How how would they best connect with you? The best way to get a hold of me is to head over to CredibleLeaders.com. You'll find there lots of leadership content, but you'll also find there some really easy ways to connect with me directly. Uh, but you can also go over to the leaderpreneurshow.com um, and you'll find some more information here about the, uh, the podcast here. And you'll have both of our links, but your link on how to get to, to the audience can get to you, Stephen, and find out about your, uh, your business as well as what. Yeah, but so you can reach out to me, Stephen Faust, at aerospaceleader.com. Once again, that's aerospaceleader.com. You can hit me up on LinkedIn or on Facebook. And I know you can do the same with Michael. And um, I look forward to just continuing continuing this journey together. And it's, it's so beneficial to me, the accountability piece for myself and just staying connected with Michael. It, um, it's really great stuff. So any, any final words, Michael? Uh, Hey, I would just tell our listening audience to, uh, as I sign off, uh, everything I do, be blessed and lead well. All right. We'll uh, see you next week. Have a good one.